I wasn't sure if I'd get to preach or not today. Probably wouldn't be a tragedy, would it? The only thing is, I'm really excited about preaching this morning. Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Some things you will never hear a father say. You're laughing already. Well, how about that? I'm lost. <laughs> Looks like I'll have to stop and ask for directions. Okay, this is for all the dads with, with uh, teenage daughters. You know, Pumpkin, now that you're 13, you're ready for unchaperoned dates. Here you go. Here's a credit card and keys to my car. Go crazy. What do you mean you want to play football? Figure skating's not enough for you, son? I don't know. I thought that was funny. Your mother and I are going away. You might want to consider having a party. No son of mine is going to live under this roof without an earring. Now quit belly aching and let's go to the mall. All right. I thought they were funny. <laughs> Father's Day. This morning I want to talk to all of us, but let me start talking to men to begin with. So I got some pictures. This is, uh, well, that's really big. Can we make it smaller? Not that small. A little bigger. Can you change your Zoom, maybe? Maybe not. So we'll skip this. So basically what I was showing us here was some manly men. All right? So there's a guy here shaving his beard with an axe. How many of you do that? Right? Kind of looks like Donnie almost shaving his beard there with a with an axe, right? So there's a, there we go. So Harrison Ford, Clint Eastwood, Teddy Roosevelt, they're all manly men, right? Used to be. Now we got some not so manly men in today's culture. Kind of looks like this, I hope. Charlie Sheen? No. There we go. Not so manly men, right? How many of you recognize those guys? Right? So in today's culture, I think it's really tough, I think, to get an idea of what a real man is, what a real man looks like. It's almost like in today's culture, men are hapless, they're inept, they're, they're stupid, they're buffoonish. I mean, watch any sitcom, right? We didn't hear any of that here this morning, did we? as we were sharing about fathers, as we were sharing about people in our lives. But you look in today's modern culture, and that's what you'll see. Men are dumb. Men aren't very smart. They need help from their eight-year-olds to survive life. And that's just all through today's culture, movies and sitcoms. Now, are dads perfect? No. My dad wasn't perfect. I'm not perfect. If you're a dad in this room, I promise you, you're not perfect. Sorry to break it to you, but you're not. But there's something really, really important for us to understand. We live in the culture we live in today where boys don't even know if they're boys. 
Girls don't even know if they're girls. Boys don't know what it's like to be a man. Girls don't know what it's like to be women because society has such a convoluted idea of what a real man and a real woman is. Too many voices are saying what man can and can't look like, what man can and can do, what we can say. And this is going to sound kind of strong, but I'm going to say it anyways. I can promise you, if we don't get this fixed in our culture, we're in for challenges that we can't even imagine. Children need to have a clear picture of what a man is. Children need to have a clear picture of what a woman is. What the Bible says they are. That the Bible says men and women are different, and that's okay. I'm not talking about the jobs we have or the roles that we play. I'm talking about who we are. So I'm going to go off notes. Men and boys in this room, stand up. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I call forth who these men and boys are created to be. I pray, Lord, that in Your name, they realize what a real man is that you breathe your life into them, that they find their identity in you and they're not afraid of what society says. Father God, I pray that these men who are in this room would step into their roles as leaders, that the boys who are in this room would grow up to become godly men who fear you, who serve you, who chase after you with all their hearts. Father God, I pray that men would finally stop being in the background Stop being in the shadows. I call forth men to be men. I pray for our society to be, to be what you created it to be. Men and women created to work together and serve together and lead together. And Lord, I feel that men have so usurped their, their leadership. And they're being men. And so Lord, I call that forth in these men this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can sit. Okay. Where was I? So, something about men. That's a good. That's good. Thank you. So this morning, as I was was looking at Bible characters, I was looking at all the traditional men, all the traditional dads. And it's kind of funny. When I look for the traditional dad to preach about or the traditional whatever... God always gives me something different. So he gave me a dad to preach about this morning who we don't even know his name. We don't even know this guy's name. But it's a really, really good story, and it's something that I think we can all learn from. And listen, this isn't just for dads. Moms, you need to be listening, okay? Because this is really good stuff, all right? That this story, this is a story about a Jesus interacting with a dad that I think we can all learn from, all right? I do this all the time, but I love it. Poke your neighbor and tell him to pay attention. Say, this is for you. Now, poke your neighbor again and say, don't be distracting me because this is for me. Okay? 
All right, here we go. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 27. I'm going to read the whole story. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If I can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the, fa- the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. Impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. That's a long story. So Jesus is out with some disciples and he he meets up with these other disciples and they they were with a large group of people. And within this large group of people, there included, there were some uh, religious leaders there and there's an argument going on. The disciples, the religious leaders, the crowd, and Jesus steps up and goes, okay, what's going on here? What's happening here? So then the rest of the story takes on this interaction between Jesus and this father. And the father explains that he had brought his son to Jesus to be healed of demon possession. Now, there are some really powerful things we can learn from this exchange. All right? Number one, for this man to bring this boy out into public, the father was risking a lot. Here's why. Children who were possessed were outcasts in those days. The Jews that believed that if a child had a handicap or had something major wrong with them, it's because one of the parents had sinned or or there was something wrong in their lives. Most times parents just hid kids like this away. Just didn't let them come out into public. So nobody would see them. But you know what? This father loved his son enough that he risked being an outcast. He risked the criticism and he took his son to get help. Is that what we're teaching our kids in today's society? I think in today's society, we believe that if we ask for help, it's a sign of weakness. Right? What do we say to our boy when they they fall on the ground? Come on, get up. Walk it off. You'll be all right. That bone that's sticking out, it'll be okay. Just walk it off. Come on. (laughs) Right? Isn't that what we do? We just tell them to be tough. You know, you don't need crutches. You know, and how often do we tell people who have relational, spiritual, and emotional broken legs, get up and walk it off? (laughs) Right? It's easier to see someone with a broken leg and say he needs crutches. But we we totally ignore other hurts in people's lives. Ah, just walk it off. You'll be all right. Get better. Choose not to be sad. Yeah. Right. 
How often we tell ourselves that? We don't want to look weak. We put on a strong act. We pretend that we got it all under control. Not this dad. He knew he needed help. And he loved his son enough to seek help no matter what. I think we can learn from this guy. We can learn from this guy. If we go to verses 17 and 18, we see this. Man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Here's another thing we can learn from this guy. My guess would be over the years, this father had been to a doctor. He's probably been to religious leaders. He'd probably been to family members, members of the community. Hey, can anyone help my son? Is there anyone that can help my son? My guess is he probably asked around. But here, when he had an opportunity to see Jesus himself, he came to Jesus. He took the opportunity. Now, on a side note, notice that it says, I asked your disciples to drive out the Spirit, but they could not. At the end of this story, if you remember when we read it, the disciples asked Jesus why they couldn't drive them out. And Jesus said, this kind can only be driven out through prayer. You want to know what that tells me about these disciples? They were trying to do it on their own. Instead of getting on their knees, instead of getting on their face, instead of calling down the power of God to get rid of this demon in this boy, they were trying to do it on their own. But you know what? This man knew. He knew that he had to get on his face. He had to ask God to intervene. He, he, he knew that if Jesus couldn't do this, nobody could. This man knew who to turn to. Mark 9, 18, it, 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 shares, it shows us all of these things that this demon did to him. He threw him on the ground. He foamed at, foamed at the mouth. He became rigid. It even says a little bit later that tried to throw him in the fire and throw him into water. His father decided, I've I got to take this boy to Jesus. Listen, I get it. Raising kids is not easy. Sometimes pride gets in the way. Sometimes we just don't know where to turn for help. We see that they need help, but we don't know what to do. Listen, love your kids enough to do whatever it takes. Love your kids enough to go to the ends of the earth for them. Let's keep going. Verse 21. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. From childhood. Let me tell you something. I have all three of my sons here today. Just yesterday, I was bouncing them on my knee and singing, this is the way the farmers ride, farmers ride, farmers ride, right? Just yesterday, I was changing their diapers. Just yesterday, I was helping them with their first grade math homework. You know what? It seems like it was just yesterday. It really, really seems like it was just yesterday. But you know what? Now I have a 24-year-old college graduate who's in his first career job. I have a 19-year-old sophomore in college who made the dean's list both semesters last year. I have a 16-year-old actor, singer, 
musician who's not afraid to get in front of huge crowds. Where did that time go? I'm serious. Like yesterday, I was changing their diapers. Here's the deal. So many times, we feel like we've got this infinite amount of time with our kids. And I can tell you from experience, you blink your eye and they're 24. I hate to tell you this, Sean and Jen, but that little bundle of joy you're holding in your arms, when you blink your eyes, he's going to be asking for the keys of the car. (laughs) What's my point? My point is this. We have a limited amount of time where we have a lot of influence over our kids. We have a responsibility to teach them starting at a very young age. It's never too early to start telling them about Jesus. It's never too early to start talking about life principles with them. We have a responsibility to invest in them, to pray for them, to nurture them, teach them how to make decisions, how to deal with failure, how to deal with success. Dads and moms, invest in your kids today. And let me go even further. I, I, heard, I heard a couple of you say, you, you know, I think Donnie said it, somebody else said it, your fathers prayed for you even when you were an adult. Listen, you still have a responsibility today if your kids are grown. You might not be able to call up your kid and tell them what car to buy or what job to have, or what, but I guarantee you have a responsibility to be on your knees. You have a responsibility to be praying for your kids. Listen, I'll tell you from a personal Personal, if you get with me and you hear my testimony, you know there was a, a good period of my life where I walked away from the Lord. And I can promise you, every morning, my mom sat at, my kitchen, at the kitchen table in her house and she prayed for her son to come back to the Lord. I guarantee you, my mom prayed me back into the kingdom. I have no doubt she prayed me back into the kingdom. Pray for your kids. Pray for your kids. Pray for your kids. Pray for your kids. Okay. Where am I? All right. Verses 22 and 23. So, this guy's talking to Jesus. It's often throwing him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for the one who believes. I love Jesus' response here. The guy says, if you can. Jesus is like, if? (laughs) Wait. Are you kidding me? Did you just say, if I can? Right? Jesus then makes a pretty bold statement. He says, everything is possible for one who believes. How much is possible? You know what the original Greek for that word everything is? Everything. Everything. You guys get tired of that joke, but it's the truth. That's Jesus' words, not mine. Now look, here's the deal. This could have been a slap in the face to this guy, right? 
he could have taken it as though Jesus was saying, you don't believe. You don't have enough faith. You doubt me. Right? How many of you are perfect in this room? Don't you raise your hand. <laughs> we can look in the mirror and see our warts, can't we? we? We know what's wrong with us. We see that we're not perfect. But you know what? Sometimes that paralyzes us. We, we see the things that are wrong with us and we can't move. We think if I have this and this wrong, then I must be all wrong. Everything is bad with me. How many of you have ever doubted God? This, uh, this, go ahead and raise your hand. How many of you have ever doubted God? Sure. Many of us have. Sometimes we believe that God can do something, but he won't do it for me. Why? Because I'm too broken or he loves somebody else more than me. I'm not worthy. There's all these different things. Same with this guy here. How often does someone come to us with constructive criticism and we take it as a slap in the face? We don't want to hear it. We don't want to receive it. So if we look at this guy, Jesus said, if I can do it, this guy, I love his response. I love his response. This guy was imperfect just like me just like you. But look at what he said in verse 24. Maybe. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. This father looked in the mirror and he immediately saw his lack. He saw what he needed. He knew what he needed and he also realized he couldn't get there on his own. He said, I believe, I just, help me with my unbelief. He saw there were things that needed to change in his life. And he didn't just see them, but he was willing to let Jesus fix them for him. He was willing to allow the changes that needed to take place. His response was immediate. I know this is true about me. Change it, Jesus. Change me. Why are we so slow to accept change? The definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. How many of us have done that? Every man in the room should have his hand up. Right? Sometimes we ignore that change is needed. Sometimes we deny it. Sometimes we don't know how to fix it. Listen. Listen. I read, this, I read this passage at some point in the past, and if you see my little Bible, there's a bunch of scribbles. And it's really cool that I went in here and I read these scribbles because the Holy Spirit was talking to me, who knows when I wrote this, years ago at some point. But here's some of the things that I wrote. I wrote, belief is not about perfection or having perfect faith. God can and does use imperfect faith to do amazing things. I've seen it happen. Do you agree, class? Because here's the deal. If I'm counting on me to have perfect faith before Jesus does something, then, then that's making me the, the denominator that matters. 
When in reality, the denominator that matters is God. The Holy Spirit, Jesus working through me. So God can take my imperfections and do something pretty cool with it. And he does it time and time again. Bring your imperfections to God. Expect God to be God. Who he says he is. What he promises to do. There's something else I wrote in my margins here too. I think this story proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that God can work with humility combined with honesty. See, this guy was humble and he was honest. I need help. I'm not perfect. And what Jesus do? Worked miraculously. This man got it. The last thing, and this is powerfully, powerfully important. Poke your neighbor, make sure they're awake. This is like, this is like the, the point of this whole passage. Verses 25 through 27. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. The absolute most important thing that this father taught his son this day is that when life is at its worst, reach out and take Jesus' hand. Pain, agony, fear, death and destruction, Jesus is waiting for you. Hand out, ready to pull you up, pull you through. Another thing I wrote in my margin here in my little Bible years ago. How many of you dads love your kids? Let me tell you a secret. Jesus loves your child more than you do. You think you love them a lot. I love my sons, I guarantee you. I'd give my life for my boys. Right? Here's the deal. Jesus loves them more than I do. This boy here that Jesus healed, not too long after this, Jesus went to the cross for that boy. That's hard for us to swallow sometimes because we think, man, I love my kid. I got to protect my kid. I got to take care of my kid. And we do. But we need to understand there's someone that loves him more than I do. His name's Jesus. This is so incredibly important. Okay, the greatest responsibility we have in our life, parents, fathers, mothers, is not to teach our kids how to tie their shoes. It's not to get them potty trained. It's not to help them with their algebra problems or to be respectful or work hard or drive a car or take care of money. Listen to me. The greatest responsibility dads and moms have is to take the hand of their child and place it in the hand of Jesus. That is the most important responsibility we have as parents to introduce them to Jesus. If you don't do anything else in your life with your kids, introduce them to Jesus. Here's the deal. There is an enemy who wants to kill and destroy. He hates our kids. He's doing everything in our culture right now to distort the truth, to perpetuate lies. Do you want to rely on your strength to protect them? Or would you rather rely on Jesus' strength to protect them? Now this might be kind of hard to swallow. But there are times where I think I'm more clever than Satan. 
<laughs> you know what? Satan's been around a really long time. And he's met a million other Steves. He knows what my weaknesses are. He knows what buttons to push in me to get me off track. He knows how to tempt me. He knows how to tempt your kids. But let me tell you the truth. Listen, Satan might be clever, but he is powerless in the presence of Jesus. You want to protect your kids from the evil one? Put their hand in the hand of Jesus. I love how at the end of this passage, all the people were standing around going, that kid's dead. <laughs> I don't know what happened to him, but look at him. Looks like a corpse. He's dead. What did Jesus do? Reach down and pick him up. You want to see your child have life breathed into him? Put their hand in Jesus. Put their hand in his hand. You introduce them to Jesus and then stand back and watch the life grow. Father God, thank you for this example. Lord, I pray that we would be willing as dads, that we'd be willing as moms to surrender our kids to you. That we would be living examples of a surrendered life to you. And Jesus, I pray right now that you would breathe life into our kids. That you would empower them. That you would protect them. Holy Spirit, hand out your gifts liberally to them. That the world may know that these kids belong to you. Lord, I pray for the next generation coming up that there would be a revival sweep our land because of kids on fire for you. Full of your life. Sold out. Servants of the Most High God. In Jesus' name, amen.